I'd like to start out by thanking you so very much for giving of your gift of time. I think it's important to recognize that I'm absolutely convinced that you have tuned into this podcast in particular because this subject is of great interest to you. As I know that you are fully aware, the concept conversations rather surrounding the use of the term critical race theory has really sparked great political debate nationwide. And as a direct result in my humble estimation of the political debates that are taking place really at the policy level and in some cases at the school board level around this topic, there remains a need to provide great clarification for those of us are those of you that are genuinely interested in ensuring that all students gain equitable access to a quality education so that they may achieve at their fullest intellectual potential. Now, I want to suggest that I believe that I'm uniquely qualified to share insights relevant to this topic, having served as a teacher, administrator, as well as a published author and a national speaker on topics associated with diversity, equity, inclusion, and more specifically, the need for the implementation of culturally responsive pedagogy at all levels of the system simultaneously. With that being said, what I want to share with you is that as I've continued to travel the country at one point virtually, And now physically, what I have come to know and believe to be true is that there are school board members, educators, school district leaders, teachers included, that are genuinely interested in doing right by children, regardless of their race, regardless of their native language, and regardless of their sexual orientation. And yet there appears to be um, what I'm going to call carefully manufactured confusion. Really designed to keep us off the task of accomplishing the goal for which I have just referred to. And so I thought I would take just a moment for those of you who have not had access to me. And for those of you who are just really serious about the work. I want to be sure that you're clear about the difference between critical race theory and culturally responsive pedagogy. I wanted to take this time to provide you uh, with some information about the differences between the two and the importance of implementing culturally responsive pedagogy within your respective organization. As I've indicated, and according to Anthony Zercher from BBC News, Critical race theory has become a topic of fierce political debate in the U.S. in recent months. The conflict has most prominently played out in public school districts as parents, teachers, and school administrators grapple with how to teach race, discrimination, and inequality in the classroom. And I continue to quote Anthony Zucker of BBC News. 
He adds that, what is critical race theory? Critical race theory, also referred to as CRT, originated as a field of study in the 1970s, spearheaded by Derek Bell, Harvard University's first permanently appointed black law professor, to address what he saw as shortcomings in understanding how discrimination and inequity are perpetuated in the law. The term itself began to gain prominence in the 1990s and early 2000s as more scholars wrote on the topic. Critical race theory analyzes the role of race and racism in perpetuating social disparities between dominant and marginalized groups. End quote. Now, what I'll add to that in terms of further clarification is that the thought leader, Derek Bell, behind critical race theory, in my own words, developed this terminology to describe what he observed as the inequities that existed within the legal system and still exist in the legal system as it relates to the difference between the treatment of black and brown Americans and their cohorts. Critical race theory is a legitimate theory. However, critical race theory is actually not being taught in most K-12 educational institutions. So that's the first thing that if you didn't hear anything else I said in this podcast that I want you to take from that. However, again, as has been indicated, critical race theory has become a topic of fierce political debate. And as a direct result of that, Board of Education members, parents, community members, teachers and administrators have begun to get confused about why this conversation is even taking place. This conversation is taking place because there is a deliberate attempt to ensure that the history of black and brown Americans and the like remains absent from the curriculum. And that's not fair. That's not good for black children. That's not good for white children. And that's not good for brown children. And so what we have to do as educators is practice what I refer to as the policy of intentionality. We have to intentionally engage in the process of coming to terms with who we are culturally in the extent to which we have been misled by some but not all media outlets, the extent to which we have been misled by members of various organizations who stand to gain by ensuring that a group of people remain marginalized. That's problematic in nature. And so I think it's important to recognize that this conversation regarding about regarding what topics should not be covered in school is not a legitimate conversation. And so I want you to be aware of that. 
Now, I started out by saying that I would share with you the difference between critical race theory and culturally responsive pedagogy. Culturally responsive pedagogy is the act of engaging in the process of developing the cultural competencies of each and every board of education member, school district leaders, faculty, and staff so as to better meet the needs of the diverse population of students that we serve. Please do allow me, even if it's just for my own edification, to go back and read side by side the difference the definition of critical race theory and the definition of culturally responsive pedagogy so that you can have a full appreciation for it. Again, critical race theory originated as a field of study in the 1970s, spearheaded by Derek Bell. Critical race theory analyzes the role of race and racism in perpetuating social disparities between dominant and marginalized groups. On the other hand, culturally responsive pedagogy is the act of engaging in the process of developing the cultural competencies of each and every school board of education member, school district leaders, faculty and staff so as to better meet the needs of the diverse population of students that we serve. Critical race theory, again, is being implemented at the university level, mostly graduate level and or in law school. It is not being implemented in most of U.S. K-12 institutions. Culturally responsive pedagogy absolutely must be implemented within our respective organizations if we are going to increase the likelihood that all students receive equitable access to a quality education. So in addition to you obtaining the definition or a clearer understanding of the difference between critical race theory and culturally responsive pedagogy, what I also want you to embrace in your spirit is the need to better ensure, regardless of your role within your respective institutions, that the implementation of culturally responsive pedagogy is indeed incurring at all levels of your system simultaneously. In other words, at the same time. Now, Matthew Lynch describes for us what he refers to as the three functional dimensions of culturally responsive pedagogy. And they are the personal dimension, the institutional dimension, and the instructional dimension. In summary, the personal dimension of culturally responsive pedagogy is, again, remember, when I say pedagogy, I want you to think of the word act. That is the what are we doing within our respective organization to prove, for the lack of a better term, that we are actually responding to the needs of the community that we serve. Your response, if you're following what I'm saying and embracing what I'm saying, is that we are implementing culturally responsive pedagogy, one at the personal dimension, which means that at the board level, at the superintendent level, at the cabinet level, at the administrator level, at the teacher level, along with the community, that we're developing a better understanding of who we are 
personally am becoming more clear about the extent to which our personal experiences, our personal biases impact how we interact with one another so that we can talk about and begin to heal and begin to address those issues so that we can be better as a unit. Then there's the institutional dimension of culturally responsive pedagogy. Again, if we are true, truly going to be successful in accomplishing the goals established with the missions and the objectives that we've stated relevant to the development of our um, skills specific to the implementation of diversity, equity, and inclusion within our respective organizations, we have to, again, recognize that we have to address it in the personal dimension, which I have just thoroughly described, but also at the institutional dimension. And Board of Education members, that involves you. In addition to the work of your superintendent, the institutional dimension of culturally responsive pedagogy, that occurs at the board and the policy level. It's about examining the extent, of course, after you've made a commitment to develop your own cultural competencies at the personal dimension, but again at the institutional dimension, assuming that you are continuously engaged in that in very thoughtful and where necessary intense professional development with your fellow colleagues, the institutional dimension then says, okay, now that we have made the commitment to developing personally, we're going to, we're better equipped. I love that. I'll say that. We're better equipped now to go and look at our policies with an equity lens to determine the extent to which the current policies either move us closer to accomplishing our goals in this area or the extent to which they serve as counterproductive. And then lastly, there is the instructional dimension. And that's where all the magic happens, you all. But that's where all the political nasty debates come from. It comes from the implementation or even the suggestion of the need to implement culturally responsive pedagogy at the instructional level. That involves your curriculum materials and the actual delivery of instruction. And so again, in summary, as it relates to the three functional dimensions of culturally responsive pedagogy, the instructional dimension is the part of that dimension by which you as Board of Education members, I'll speak to you directly for just a moment, become more knowledgeable of the processes that are being put in place to select what your students will and will not learn and what your students will and will not be exposed to. As Board of Education members, you have a fundamental obligation to be clear about what the curriculum actually entails and what it does not before you cast your vote. The instructional dimension, again, is also about the teacher's delivery of instruction and the extent to which he or she, once again, has developed their own cultural competencies as it relates to being clear about how their cultural experiences impact their delivery of instruction and assessment of students' intellectual capabilities. And so, in summary, my goal has been to make sure that you are clear about the difference between critical race theory and culturally responsive pedagogy, and to make sure that you 
are aware of the three functional dimensions of culturally responsive pedagogy as described by Matthew Lynch so that you may be about the business with great encouragement, with great confidence as it relates to your fundamental obligation to ensure that all students gain equitable access to a quality education. <laughs>